This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. With us to discuss the latest on all things Argyle, we have Josh. Hello. Sam. Hello. And Adam. Hello. For the second week running, unfortunately we're without Tom. Um, Without further ado, let's hand straight over to our new match analyst, uh, Adam. If you haven't already read his his analysis piece regarding Luton, I recommend you do. But let's hand you straight over to Adam to hear his thoughts on the weekend's utter demolition against Luton. Well, I mean, as soon as I saw the midfield line up the way I did, I thought it was almost certain we were going to lose the game. Now, we knew heading in that... Luton play their diamond formation you know it's very different to what we do and from that point we should have known whoever can control the ball is going to control the game make more chances drag the other team's formation around and in all likelihood score more goals which as it happens is exactly what did happen unfortunately Oracle hadn't taken advantage of that and Luton absolutely had now what we really needed to do in my view was to play our 4-3-2-1 formation of last season and second half of last season and bring Fox deeper, give us a chance of controlling possession, make sure he's protected defensively. We did the opposite of that. We played the 4-2-3-1. It was a mess. Our midfield was dragged around at will. It honestly looked like Luton could score every time they came forward in the first half. And ultimately that and a little a little bit of defensive mishaps, I suppose, contributed to the score being as emphatic as it was. So 
Yeah, not a good showing, not a good showing at all. What really annoyed me was after the game, Adam said, quote, the players have got to take a great deal of responsibility for the result because they couldn't have been better prepared, uh, any be- prepared any better than they were for the game. And that really frustrated me because, like you said, Adam's got it wrong. Adam's got it so wrong. Um, like, like I said, the system's what caused Argyle to be four down at half time. It wasn't the players, and you know, I fully expected it to happen. I went for three-one in advance of the game, knowing that Luton, because of their midfield, would expose exactly the same holes in midfield that've been apparent ever since Burton. Really, it's been obvious for weeks that there were holes in the midfield. Um, that playing Fox in a position that exposes them defensively was a risk. Like you said, four two three one's not the system we used to bring the best out of him and control midfield control the midfield last season. You know, we comprehensively beat Gillingham because theirs is a midfield that's not blessed with as much passing ability as ours. That's why we controlled it, and the same went for Stevenage. But you know, these these games were predicated on control of the ball to minimise Fox's defensive weakness. Not not just his, but in this posi- position especially. You know, the result against Scunthorpe flattered Argyle. Scunthorpe, you know, really dominated lots of that game. They they missed a lot of chances. 2-2 two, two had been a fair result. At the end of the day, it was really good finishing on Argyle's part and poor finishing on Scunthorpe's part that swung, you know, that so decisively swung that game. But but they they re- controlled Argyle's midfield, even though they're missing both of their first-choice midfielders. You know, against Sunderland and Luton, they both controlled the game relatively easily by dominating Fox and Ness in midfield. And it's like by by changing the structure of the midfield at half time, going back to what worked last season, we increased our control of the game. And what's really bugging me is is, is November right, we still haven't seen the midfield start in the same way as we did last season that led to that dramatic upsurge in results. Yet we still haven't got the right system. We had Going into the start of the season, there were some people actually predicting us to go on a run and challenge for promotion, because we kept most of the side together from last year. And we still haven't seen the front six. Fox in the deepest, uh, Ness and Sarsovic ahead of him, Carey and Lemire in a, you know, floating central positions behind Taylor. Granted, Taylor's been injured for a while. Granted that Adams probably had to mix up the system to get more out of Ladapo. But it's still November, and we still haven't seen it. And it's really starting to bug me. Yeah, I think um, that point puts it excellently. We're having the sort of form that you'd usually associate with teams that have surprised getting as high at the table as we did last year, which in all fairness, it was a surprise. But teams that have this sort of form now are the sort of teams that have lost their best players over the summer. There may be a managerial change. I look at how Shrewsbury started the season, for example, experienced this sort of thing. We haven't done that. And it baffles me, to be honest, that sitting right in front of Derek Adams is a system that was so successful last season and he's not used as you say not one minute have the front six from last year played together this season at all and I don't know how how much further it can go on and we can get more angry about it every week before he actually notices that the answer's there and he needs to give it a chance as he did very successfully from December to April last time last season to that I would just add as well um, we've never had the exact six so granted but every time the closer we get to it the better we seem to be we're slowly edging towards the best formation like when we've had the 4-2-3-1 with Fox and Nesteep then Sarsovic in the hole no it's not without its flaws you know we've been exposed defensively in the Scunthorpe 
Sunderland and Luton games, but generally speaking, particularly in the Scunthorpe and Sunderland games, we, we put a bit of play together going forward. We created chances, so it's certainly better. It's almost like he's Adam's like feeling around in the dark, isn't he? Kind of tentatively feeling around, getting that little bit nearer, and every time he gets that, you know, bit too near, he seems to then stop and go the other way again. I don't get it's it's quite painful almost how he can't seem to see the one thing that he hasn't yet tried it's the one thing he needs to try which is the you know the, the style of play and personnel that had us on a run of form best in the league from December to March last season except for Blackburn well uh, yes yeah, yeah, except for Blackburn but still you know we, yeah. we'd all take it right wouldn't we yeah Promotion form anyway um why one thing we should mention of course is obviously the injuries disrupted things there was a while when Sarsic and Ness weren't available um but you know the the last say five weeks have been different to the season leading up to then. You know that that was proper relegation form until then. I, I I've been confident throughout the period where we were you know firmly at the bottom, not looking like we're going to win. That Argo wouldn't be relegated just because you know we had the right players, and I'm even more confident now we've started to edge you know further and further towards that you know, safety zone. Our position, ignore the position, look at the recent form, and the recent form has improved because of the improvement in team selection and in system. We're not, we're not talking about, you know, one unified season that, you know, has played out exactly the same way. We are in a very much different position to that in which we ended October. Yeah, we are. But it's still not good enough. It's, I mean, it's still, even though, even though we're getting clearly better for certain reasons, he's still not quite going all the way that he should. I can only agree with what's already been said in terms of how he's set up, particularly against Luton. Um, I mean, Fox and Ness were dragged absolutely all over the place. Luton played through us and it was fluid and they were already played good football. Um, and it was, it's embarrassing to watch. And you, you t- look at, I mean, some of the way that, oh, the way that some people have described the game and, and people are talking about it like it's one of the greatest third division performances ever. Um, I saw that quote. Yeah, I I thought you might have. Let's not forget that, um, like Adam notes in his uh, in his article, individual errors contributed to such a massive scoreline. I, 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 I don't <laughs> think five one fully. I know that'd probably be a lie. Five one probably did justify it, but nevertheless, it wouldn't have been five one had it not been for mistakes yeah. on what, that fourth the third goal. fourth. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's it's embarrassing from from Fox and Sarsovic, isn't it? What that, I I can't get my head around what they're trying to do now having rewatched it a few times just awful it, i mean if you're wondering what we say when we what we mean when we say sarsvich shouldn't start in center attack mid because he's better running onto the ball you can sort of see what we're angling at in that clip there because he's just not as good on the turn he, he's he's very much more like a juggernaut and that you feed him the ball while he's going forward and get him moving and generating momentum and he's very difficult to stop. He can sort of barge people off out of the way. He's very strong and he's very good at running the ball. But playing on the turn, isn't. he's not so bad at it, but it's really not his strength and it, yeah, it does not look good in that highlight. There, there are some games where he has looked pretty good in that role because he's been running he's been running in the space and building up a bit of steam. But even if he is good in that role, even if he does have good bits to play, it's detrimental on the team overall. And it's certainly True. detrimental on, on Ness and Fox. It's like, you, you look at some of these uh, highlights and you look where Sarsvich, who who is by far the best midfielder from a defensive point of view, and he's marking Luton's deepest midfielder. He, he Just imagine him as the Fox of Luton's team. He doesn't really progress into attacking positions that much. He doesn't score that many. He doesn't assist that many. Why have you got our best midfielder from a defensive perspective 
effectively doing nothing. Fox and Ness are being dragged all over the place, and Sarsvich just has to stand there and watch effectively. I assume the idea was to mark him, and you know, if he is the Fox of Luton's team, then obviously you're going to curtail their possession. But that's not really how it works because all of their midfielders are technically good with the ball. And on top of that, if anyone should be on him, it should be Ladapo. Ladapo is quick and strong. He could have easily marked him and forced him to play it back to the centre backs who aren't as good in possession. What was Ladapo doing defensively during the first half? I I didn't see him get close to anyone. At least Taylor sort of brought a bit more of um a bit more defensive pressure, and he you know he came in and closed down with Fox O'Keefe and Sarsvich in the second half to make a bit of a counter diamond himself to limit Luton in possession. Yeah, I think it's um a case of us just going back again and again as to how Argyle's midfield was so easily dragged around and how Derek Adams let that happen. It's a case of he mentioned that. The players should take a look at themselves, and I agree. There are a few individual errors that contribute to the scoreline. But I think the manager needs to take a long look at himself as well. And I think um, I think it was earlier on we brought up the Gillingham game. That was an example of how if we can dominate the ball in midfield against a team who are not playing in a similar formation to us, it will allow us to drag their midfield around and create chances for ourselves. Luton did to us exactly what we did to Gillingham. And the fact that we've had that performance and the fact that Adams couldn't see it, I... I honestly, I, I hope whilst he says to the, that the players need to reassess what they're doing, I hope he recognises that he has to share a very large portion of the blame for, let's say, the embarrassment of Saturday afternoon. Sam, you, um, after the game, you started criticising the fullbacks. Do you want to share why? Yeah, I just, I just felt that they, they let a lot of space in behind them a lot. I don't think they defended very well at all. Looking again at that first goal, um, I can see what Josh was saying earlier. I don't think Moore is um, as much to blame as our first 40 was. He was kind of, he was kind of, well, yeah, um, well, yeah, he was kind of two on one, wasn't he? So I think I was maybe being a bit harsh there looking at that again. I don't think I'd give him such, I'd him or Smith Brown such a low rating now as I kind of did in the heat at the moment, the post match. I still don't think their awareness is all that good. I still think they were kind of, um, they maybe just had that little half second where they weren't fully concentrating to let a man get in behind them a little bit too often. But were they the main reason we lost the game? No, they weren't. Could they have also done better? Yeah, they definitely could have done without a doubt. I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that they they put in an outstanding performance and and Sam's treated them unfairly or anything, uh, and I'm not a massive fan of either Smith Brown or Moore, um, but I think there's there's things there that that weren't their fault at all. So uh, the first goal, where there is absolutely nothing that Moore can do, a Fox doesn't get a, it, it, it's an issue of either Kerry not getting the right side of his man, Fox not getting alongside him quick enough. Uh, the ball gets played out wide. He, there is so little that he can do, uh, and it's played across him for the goal. The second one, which was the one I believe was the uh, the one where Smith Brown made the challenge on the halfway line. I mean, uh, <laughs> if he doesn't, then I, I can't remember who the player was. Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee. So Elliot Lee takes the ball with space in front of him, running at Argyle's defence right in the middle of the pitch, um, with Luton players flying ahead of him. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much difference it makes. Uh, the third one again, Carey is. I mean, it, it's pathetic defending, really, isn't it? And then he has the, the you know, looks around at other people, but not tracking his man like that is uh, shameful. Next goal, I mean, sort of starts on the inside as well, and it, it so easily cut through. And then it, it's what it's Sarsovic and Fox, um, who well, are the fourth one was actually well one. defended. Just why did we give it away in the box? We had nine players back, including Macy. 
He, I don't know why he's flown into that challenge, Fox. Well, what about Starsevich? Apparently, trying to do oh, yeah, it backwards that, in that, his own yeah. box, which was just, just absolutely so casual when when he got the ball in the box, and he just. I mean, I, I know it, it looks like, it, in a way, it looks like there's no one who's given him a shout, but awareness at, at that position in the game has got to be much better there. I, I think I think that was sort of a result of the flow of the game. Um, I, I don't know why I, I feel like he looked around expecting a pass to be there had barely been a pass on you know all in the first half Arkell barely even got near Luton's in fact yeah they, they barely did get Luton, near Luton's 18 yard box it, it it was mad how much they dominated the first half but again that's a lot because the system set we set up in curtailed us um although i do think that from a defensive perspective people are focusing far too much on just the defensive side and not giving Luton anywhere near enough credit for fantastic attacking movement sam mentions that it was too easy to get in behind the fullbacks well i would counter that if you look at who's getting in behind the fullbacks not the fullbacks man it's a midfield runner who's running in behind what can smith brown or Moore do when someone runs behind them and they pass the ball to them he can't you know, get so close. If he get, pushes up closer to the person in possession, he passes it around him. If he stands off, he passes it around him. You know, the way you deal with a side who are you know so probing an attack as Luton is you restrict their possession, and then you structure your defence better. And Argyle did neither of those things in the first half. I felt it was early on before the first goal. I think it's Harry Cornick gets a flick shot in that Macy does well to turn around the post because yeah, it wasn't an easy one to save. But in the build-up to that, that's a pass around the. They pass it around our midfield, and then they get a ball straight into. Um, it must be James Collins, I think. Canavan goes out to meet him and holds him up. But Luton's have a runner who runs around him. Collins lays it into the runner, and the runner's running through. There's nothing that any that any clo- nearby Argyle defender can do. They either need to track the man, or they need to mark the space. And they did neither. I think if we look at those fullbacks, that it's a case of their looking like they've had a terrible game. I mean, admittedly, they didn't play amazingly, but it's because of the fact that they're being exposed. I mean, you get the sort of thing like Smith Smith bounce tackle for, or attempted tackle for the second goal. Yeah, admittedly, he doesn't need to dive in for it. Yeah, yeah. He does, at, at the same time, it's just like, there's not much else he could have done. As you say, if he stood off, then he's he's been done by two players anyway. So I, I can understand why a lot of people thought from that that the fullbacks were to blame. But when you dig deep into it and you have a look at exactly why the fullbacks are in that position, it's an unenviable position, really. And the lack of midfield cover just made it too easy. And as you say, when you're against a team with Luton's quality in midfield and attack, they will punish you more often than not. There's nothing that Smith Brown can do about that Luton fullback who's overlapping and Jack Stacey. I mean, mean, yeah, he's going to be dealing with the two on one day on the left hand side if he doesn't try and put in that challenge. So I don't. Don't think he did anything wrong. I tell you what, I've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of people blaming the centre backs, but I'm, I'm thinking uh, the main problems in midfield. The full backs did not have a good game either. The centre backs are the kind of the, the least of the issues in that respect, really. Okay, neither Songa or Canavan had the game of their lives. I completely agree there. But when you look at the way the midfield was all set up, wrong. When you look at some individual errors, kind of down the flanks as well. The centre backs, they're kind of the, you know. Okay, they weren't perfect, but they were the least of our worries, really, weren't they? When you factor in everything else. Well, Canavan um, for the fifth was, wasn't great, was it? No, Canavan well, was it, poor for the fifth. If, if you watch agree, it carefully, but... then what's hap- what happens is Collins has peeled off him. He's sort of near Smith Brown. Um, 
and I, I assume it's Harry Cornick, but Canavan's marking Cornick. Cornick drops into the space and Canavan gets sold and he goes with Cornick and that's why the ball goes over. Mm-hmm. Collins wasn't yeah. his man. Collins drifts into the space behind him. He still shouldn't have gone for it because there was no need. Um, Fox and I think it was O'Keefe were cutting the pass. So, you know, there's no way for them. There was no easy way for that ball to go. The man in front of him is not looking for the ball either. Well, I He's don't know. Not... I well, Yeah, OK. Um, but it's like I have a bit of sympathy for him. Because I think one of the big issues right now is a lack of communication. Um, Songo shouts a lot, but I'm not sure how much he does, you know, how many clear instructions he gives during the game. Moore and Smith-Brown are still quite young. They're both very quiet. Um, I think Riley definitely coming will help that. Sawyer almost certainly from the other side. What about Macy in in regards to Macy in terms of what you're talking about, um, communication and, and control as a general point? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. It, it's always hard to judge communication on the pitch because you know, you can, unless you're there and you're close, you, you can't really hear them in in the heat of the moment, especially. It, it's usually easiest to go off um, gesticulation. Sarsvich is the most clear on this in this regard. It's why it's so important to the defensive aspect of midfield. Yeah, when Argyle are defending, you can see him pointing players all over the place. We don't have that as much. Edwards really. I fancied Edwards to be captain during the summer because I was hoping that it would bring more leadership out of him. Obviously, it didn't end up being that way, but if he is going to improve, he needs to really emerge as a leader like Bradley was. Bradley was a clear leader in this team, and I don't think we're missing his skill as much. I even think Canavan's probably a, you know, a reasonably good leader in the defence, so I think we're li- missing leaders in the defence full stop. I'd be tempted to, to swap Macy out um, for Leatherin, and I made this point to Sam the other day. It's not because... Technically, I think that Macy is a worse goalkeeper as such, although I think it, he does have flaws. One of them particularly is the, the, the saves that he parries. He has a tendency to parry into the middle of the danger area rather than away from goal, which concerns me because it's happened a number of times. I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish your point, but I just want to quickly interject. I don't think he does, and I think you'll struggle to come up with many examples of when he's done that. I mean, I, I can't think of specific examples off the top of my head now because I don't remember the games in great detail, but I would be comfortable via highlights trying to find them, certainly from the, the matches that I've watched. Um, I, I don't know whether, you know, it might be interesting to see what difference Leatherham would make. Like I said, technically, I'm not sure he's a better goalkeeper at all, but whether his uh, mental attributes in terms of like communication and so on and so forth would make more of an impact on Argyle's defence, regardless of whether he's himself is as good a goalkeeper, if that makes sense. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not really sure. About I think there have, there have been maybe some occasions where he's parried it back back in the daily shot. I think the majority of those have been times where he has done well to get to even get to the shot. I don't think there have been many times where he's had a, had a shot that he should have either caught or parried, you know, wide, and he's actually parried in the danger. I don't think there are many of those occasions. I do, think it, do you know who has done that? Leatherin did that against uh, Swindon, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. To be Harry fair, into his own net, didn't he? Last season, he did well when he was in the team. But is he a better option than Macy? For me, no. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't trying to make the, the case that Leather and Parry shots better. I was trying to make the case that I don't particularly like that aspect of Macy's game, and that I believe Leatherham is a better, might be well, could be better in terms of organising their defence a little bit more, considering how all over the place they can be at times. I I, th- I think a more I think a more pertinent selection question is going to be, now that Taylor came back and played 60 minutes against Luton, does he start ahead of Ladapo? And I'll give 
I'll give you a couple of stats to sort of indicate uh, how Ladapo's game went. Um, so obviously we know that his you know aerial isn't winning headers isn't his strength, but because of the way Argyle ended up playing, it's how he got most of his uh, possession. Well, it's how most of the balls to him went. So uh, he challenged for eleven headers and won one. Uh, Taylor challenged for thirteen and won seven. Um, you know, T- Taylor had won more headers within ten minutes of being on the pitch than the Ladapo had in the entire first half. But you know, that's just the contrast in styles. Um, you also look. Uh, Taylor made double the amount of passes in the second half that Ladapo did in the first. That, that, that's not because he's necessarily better player, and I think he is, but only because of the way he adds different things to this team, but because this was very much a game that suited Taylor. It's the, it's the kind of game that Taylor really helped us out in last season. Think think Shrewsbury, where we didn't have too much control of midfield, but we had a direct outlet to Taylor who could both relieve pressure, and also, in the end, you know, he played a uh, starring role in creating the equaliser for Jamie Ness. Um, he also laid off the ball to Sarsovic for the penalty that Carey missed. You know, these are the kind. Of, the reason I advocate playing Taylor, is I accept that Ladapo is going to score more over a season, but Pe- Taylor is going to get us playing better, and we're going to be more competitive in tough games. And Fleetwood's going to be a tough game this weekend, so I, would, assuming he's fit, I'd start Taylor. Yeah, I would start Taylor as well. I think at this point, uh, especially considering Fleetwood are. I mean, from my awareness of the situation is they've had issues aerially recently at the back. Um, And that's a, you know, if you're looking at which one you want to threaten aerially, there isn't a contest between the two, is there? So, I think we've um, accepted that Ladapple will score more goals across the season. But I think you see it a lot of the time where, say, in any league, you've got a team near the bottom and they say, They've got one of the top scorers and people always question, oh, where would they be without their goals? But that only happens because the team's set up in a way that plays to their strengths and nobody else's. And I think that's what happened, what's happened with us. I think Adam's had to change the system slightly to accommodate the Dapu, but that is detriment to say Carey, to say Lamiras, to say Sarsevich. And Taylor coming in, he might not got, ne- not, sorry, not get as many goals, but he will allow space and allow opportunities for players that absolutely will. So with that in mind, I personally think it's a no-brainer. I think Taylor has to start whenever he's fit and ready. Yeah, it's got to be Taylor. He's, um, who's going to score more goals over a season? Ladapo. Who, which team is going to score more goals over a season? An Argyle with Taylor or an Argyle with Ladapo? Is an Argyle with Taylor. That's the way I'd put it. It's, it's the difference. It's not the, what he does individually. Like you get it, you know, you get a lot of people very smug about, you know, Ladapo's obviously better because he runs, he runs the defence and he scores goals. Yeah, he's better at doing that. Nobody's disputing that, but he's not better at all the other stuff. He's not better at linking up play, the winning the headers. And I think particularly with Lemiraz coming back in, which he's going to have to come back in with Kerry suspended, Lemiraz is a player who absolutely thrives off an effective target man. So you bring Taylor in and you have Lemiraz and Joel Grant either side for me. All right, we'll wrap it up there then. Um, and move into quiz time. And, well, it's, it's either Adam or Josh. Uh, Adam, who do you think it is? Oh, last time you did this to Sam, it ended in disaster, so I'm just going to assume it's me. <laughs> Josh, who do you think it is? Uh, oh, I'll go Adam. It's Josh. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> <sit> back. <laughs> Which means Adam gets only a week to prepare, revise Fantastic. as much as he can. Um, <laughs> so, the way it works is the way it's worked for the first two weeks. You pick a category that's individual 
competition or opposition. You'll answer 10 questions, including one bonus what? question for a maximum of 11 points. And then we're going to keep track of the score, the cumulative score across the season. By competition, you have... do you mean season? Did I say competition? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Uh, yes, I do mean season. Um, okay. I, well, that will be swiftly edited out. Um, <laughs> Josh, what are you going to pick? Uh, I will go season. Right. Your season is 2010-2011. <laughs> okay. This is the League One season, isn't it? Just to confirm, yes. it's the one where we This is the League 23rd. One season, yes. Cool, fantastic. Right, let's crack on. Are you ready? Nope, but let's have it. Bradley Wright Phillips left for Charlton in January. How many goals did he score to that point? Uh, oh my god. Quickly. 12. Incorrect, 13. After Wright Phillips, two players tied for top scorer. Yala Balassi was one, name the other. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh my god, I have no Quickly. idea. Mason? Correct. How many players were sent off throughout the season? Oh, Christ. Five? Incorrect. Thirteen. Bl- Argyle topped the league. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <Got that. laughs> Argyle topped the league for a matter of hours after beating which side live on Sky on the opening day of the season? Southampton. Correct. Argyle had, ha- had at least one player sent off in 11 separate matches. Of those, how many did Argyle win? Uh, one. Incorrect. Four. Bonus point question. Algol went into administration on Friday, fourth of March. Which side did they play the next day, and what was the score? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I've got no idea. Sheffield Wednesday, the one four two. Algol came from two nil behind at half time to win three two away at Bristol Rovers. Who scored the winning goal? Uh, I've no idea. Stefan Zubar. Who won the Player of the Season award? Uh, Roy Phillips. Carl Fletcher. Uh, with Argyle staring down the barrel of relegation, who scored his first goal for Argyle with a free kick on match day 43? Walton? Correct. Whose effort from 40 yards was nominated for Mitre Goal of the Year 2011? <laughs> Uh Oh, no idea. Noon? Kari Arneson against MK Dons. Um, so you got three out of 11. Well done, Josh. Well done. Pretty difficult and if you didn't yeah, go that is a, games. That is a marker set down as well for people who thought the season would be easy because that was more difficult than last time, I think. Which seems unfair considering... Well, I you should... I, I said explicitly last week... That I would be making the season one harder. I'm assume, I assume Sam's have got something like six or seven, but virtually every single one I got right was a guess. <laughs> Still three points. Congratulations. Um, before we go, mm. let's uh, do predictions for Fleetwood. Uh, let's start with uh, Adam. I would be confident if we play our best formation. Not so confident if we don't. So I'm going to sit on the fence with a one-one. Sam. I think um, ultimately Fleetwood, they're not doing that great. I think I, I think we should play our best formation. Even if we don't, I think um, that's the game we can win even with the 4-2-3-1. Uh, I think that they've been kind of slowly dropping on form since they could start the season. I'm going to go 2-1, I'll go in. Josh? Uh, yeah, I'll go with Sam's, I think 2-1 as well. I'm torn because I think 
they're very good in attack. So I, I'm really not sure. My gamble would be probably 2-2, let's say. Okay, that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that. If you have any feedback, ideas or suggestions, please do get in touch. We want to make this podcast as good as we can. You can now listen to this podcast on Spotify. Just search for Argyle Life or Green and White, and hopefully it will be added to the iTunes library soon too. Thank you all very much for listening, and good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.